I sit at this desk and almost every day these reports go across my desk. I just read them and cry, you know, because it's a God story. It's not an Awana story. We didn't do this. This is something that God is doing. He's just using us. What began in 1950 with roots all the way back into the 1940s is being used by God right now all over the world to reach children with the gospel. And a new generation of leadership led by Awana CEO Valerie Bell is leading the charge. Today on First Person, you'll meet Valerie and hear her passion and vision for Awana as it reaches more and more of the world's children. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepard. The conversation to come was recorded in the Iwana headquarters just outside of Chicago. From this office, plans and projects are being launched to reach nearly 4 million children in 2017 and a vision to impact 10 million children by 2020. As we begin, a word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making it possible to tell this story and many others each week. When you visit firstpersoninterview.com, please take a moment to sign up for a free 30-day devotional from FEBC that will inspire you with powerful testimonies from listeners around the world. Look for the devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. As Valerie Bell and I sat down in her office to talk, I asked her to begin by describing her relatively new role as a ministry CEO. The Monday that I went in and applied for my Social Security, (laughs) and I thought it was a done deal, uh, on Friday, I say, this job happened to me. (laughs) And so uh, for the last uh, about 18 months, I've been the CEO at Awana Clubs International. And uh, in a strange, God sort of way, this all makes sense in my life. (laughs) But uh, it's also been uh, quite... Uh, I think an adventure. I think this ministry was very brave in some ways. Uh, but uh, if you had, uh, you know, if you if you knew, know me, uh, when I was twelve, I said to a guidance counselor who asked me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I said, "I want to be a lawyer for children." <laughs> and that guidance counselor said, "There's no such thing." But I think being CEO at Awana Clubs International pretty is pretty close is to pretty being good. Yeah. the advocate for children Isn't that in the amazing? world. Yeah. Right. So this is like I. Can't Came home. Mm-hmm. I'm sure practically everyone listening knows what Awana is, but for the person who doesn't know about Awana, just describe it briefly. What is Awana? Approved workmen are not Approved ashamed, right? Approved workmen are not ashamed. Uh, this is a ministry that is 67 years old. It started with street children in Chicago, and uh, it's uh, it's known for having a lot of fun, uh, Bible memory. It's high high in Bible memory and uh relationship. So at these clubs, there'll be five children and one adult. And and, and I want to talk about why that is so contemporary, mm-hmm. you know, to our time, so important uh, because of what's happening in our culture. But so a lot of people maybe have that idea of Awana about kids running around circles and into poles, you know, <laughs> and, and there is and has been some of that, but it's taken on so many different forms now and is expressed in so many creative ways and contextualize uh, where people are. It's uh, it's grown way out of the United States. So in, uh, let's say, about 2011, there were probably about a million children in the world involved in Awana. Think of that. Wow. And now, though, um, in 2018, uh, we have 4 million children in oh. 120 countries. Amazing. And in a partnership with 50,000 local churches who 
equipped and trained leaders have taken it into amazing places. Like if you've ever been to Nairobi, um, in the in Nairobi, there is a Kabira slum. It's the most densely uh, packed and populated slum in the world. And our national trained and equipped leaders thought those children needed Awana. So we have 411 clubs in the Kabira <laughs> slums. Uh, we have Awana in the brothels in India. Mm. Uh, they are in the uh, they, our native uh, equipped and trained leaders have taken it to Lebanon to the Syrian refugee camps. It's just amazing. If I just pick out one country sure. to give you a sense of what that's like. Um, so in India, almost a million children, but. Of those million Awana children who are coming every week, about 400,000 of these children are Hindu. That's amazing to me because in India, the leadership of the country is very anti-Christian, isn't it? Yes, and it, but and is getting worse all the time. Actually, they're anti-Western, and because we have equipped and trained Indian leaders, uh, you know, so far they've left us alone. So that could change. Pray that door remains open. Absolutely. I, I see God's hand in that because um, I think eventually India is the front runner of the rest of the world kicking mm-hmm. us out. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when we are them, when we is them, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not going to be something that's going to be really easy to yeah. do. So and I when see- they're the beneficiaries of those children... Who grow up and become leaders of the country. That's, that, right. that's going to make a difference, that's too. That's right. Yeah. So uh, let, let me give you another example. I'll give you, because this is dear to our hearts, our age, uh, is Vietnam. Uh, yes, I've been there a few times. <clears throat> Have you been yeah. there? Oh, that's on my bucket list. I'd love to go see this, because five years ago, um, we were starting Awana in Vietnam, um, this is has been communistic. Um, it, you know, there hasn't been a generation of Christianity after the war, really. Um, and so these children were coming to Christ. In five years, 45,000 children in Vietnam have come to Christ through Awana Clubs. And I said to our national leaders, what does that look like when 45,000 children come to Christ? And he said, well, sometimes they come by themselves, sometimes they come together. He said, but the strange thing is, is they're doing something that's not cultural to Vietnam. Uh, they're falling to their knees. Hmm. And I said, well, what do you think that is? And he told me, he said, it's like in the Bible when Abraham was told he was going to be a father. It was like so wonderful his body couldn't stand up under it. And, he, and scripture says Abraham fell on his face. What a picture. Hmm. These children are falling to their knees because it's the first time they've had hope. And now the leaders in our clubs in Vietnam, because their parents are not believers, our leaders are 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, mm-hmm. and they are fire carriers. <laughs> They're already experiencing persecution, and they are like, Jesus is mine, and nobody's <laughs> taking him from me. I want to talk more about the worldwide impact of Awana, but I also want to talk to you because uh, you moved from being a board member mm-hmm. of Awana to being CEO of Awana. Yeah. Um, talk about the transition. What was going on in your heart and life, and why did you feel called uh, to uh, step from, you know, an important position, a board position, but being CEO is a lot of responsibility. What was behind I, uh, all that? Yeah, I I love this quote by Frederick Beekner that um, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. 
Hmm. That to me is the definition of calling. And I think sometimes we think, oh, there has to be a paycheck, you know, (laughs) and uh, I don't think that's true. I think some of us are called uh, where our deep gladness in the world's hunger meet is in a volunteer spot, like a board position. Board is in the not-for-profit world, uh, is a volunteer position. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself, first of all, I was at MOPS for seven years on their board where I learned governance. Mothers of preschoolers. Mothers of preschoolers, and um, and most of the writing, I'm an author, most of my writing had been on family, um, getting out of kids' faces and into their hearts, and um, uh, face-shaped kids. Uh, they were all on uh, children and family uh, for the most part, but so I... I was happy to learn uh, that I could serve just as a volunteer and bring whatever expertise I had to the influence table. I called the board the influence table. So um, when I was done with MOPS, Awana uh, began to come and ask if I would come serve on this board here. And uh I truthfully didn't think I was a very good fit. Maybe they thought I wasn't too, but <laughs> we'd already gotten too far into the courtship to, well, to, to let me, give let the me ring point back. out that Awana, you said, is 67 years old. Yes. And it was moving from its founder stage and how we love Art Rohrheim. Yes. Who, as of this, is still, uh, living. Is still living and yes. still loves to talk about the Lord and the gospel. Absolutely. He's an amazing man. But the organization moving from that founding stage and its life cycle to the next stage which now is you. Yeah. And that comes with, comes with some challenges, it doesn't does. it? Think of this, that uh, Awana was founded in 1950, but the children who are 10 years old today will be young adults in 2050. And that span of 100 years, you know, we, if we continue to think, any of us in ministry, the good old 1950s and things were, you know, up and to the right, and if we hang on to that, we will be trying to bring Christ to a culture that is a century older than our, uh, you know, at the time of the founding. At the time of the founding, yeah. and so that we keep in mind now in this board, this ministry is keeping that in mind that, you know, we are preparing children now, but we're preparing them for 2050, and I'm pretty sure that that world is not going to be like it is today. Yeah, and so it's going to take a different uh, type of training. It's going to take take some things are not going to change. Uh, we're always going to be Yeah, I wanted to ask biblical. you, what, what hasn't changed and what has changed? We're, we are still, you know, so uh, committed to Bible memory. And it's interesting because I have roots at the Willow Creek uh, group over there, and uh, they did a study a few years back on what makes for discipleship. I remember that. And, you know, it was kind of scandalous what yeah. they found out because they weren't actually uh, doing the things that were highly productive of discipleship. It they were promoted doing small some change, groups. didn't it? Yeah. Doing, yeah, a lot of good things. But they found out that the number one factor in lifetime discipleship was Bible engagement. And so, you know, to me, all of a sudden, this old Awana ministry looks like it's brand new again because <laughs> we know this. We know this area. And so, and, and it's interesting, I think, um, that we the studies show that, uh, sadly, depending on the study you look at, you know, only about 40% of our kids are going on with the Lord and with church after college. Uh, and which is very concerning. It's frightening, isn't it's it? It's very mm-hmm. frightening. Uh, but they, we did a, they did an independent study of Awana out of Baylor University, 
a couple of years ago, and they found that the retention rate into adulthood for kids who'd come through Awana was 94%. And I would say the major reason for that is the scripture. More as we talk with Valerie Bell, the CEO of the Children's Ministry Awana, coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. We've produced a number of storytelling videos of God at work in the lives of FEBC listeners living in difficult circumstances. To see these videos and to be encouraged in God's Word, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and sign up for our 30-day online devotional. It's easy and there's no obligation. You will love seeing and hearing stories of people's lives being saved through the gospel message. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Valerie Bell, who is now CEO of Awana. Is it Awana International, Valerie? Awana Clubs International. Awana Clubs mm-hmm. International. All right. And how exciting that you have this role and this responsibility now. We were talking a moment ago about moving uh, into the next life cycle of this organization, this effective ministry, and what's the same in Bible memory. Bible memorization is still a very uh, much a focal point yes. of Awana. What's different about Awana these days? I think some of it is in terms of emphasis. Uh, you know, we came through a period where, where everybody had to do Awana one way. It was one size fit all. And, and they, we didn't even let everybody have Awana. <laughs> That's how <laughs> awful, I guess you could say, we were. Now they take it and they customize it. So I was in a small church in Georgia, and um, I started kidding around with this uh, Kidman leader because he took me into their Kidman area. It was full of these vibrant, huge paintings and artwork that instead of game time, they had allowed their artistic kids to do. And here he had taken our, you know, sacred game time, and he had turned it into electives where the kids could do robotics, they could do art, they could do, oh, what were some, oh, oh, uh, martial arts, all kinds of things that these kids could do. And I said, you know, 20 years ago, I would have pulled your charter for this kind of creativity. <laughs> so there is amazing um, creative things happening. It's you know, it's just not uh, one size fits all anymore. I think that we are really also, here's another thing, taking a hard look at the future. And our um, we've just uh, finished a curriculum with Josh McDowell's son, Sean. Sean. Mm-hmm. It's called Journey. And we recognize we're trying to address this issue of losing our kids because it's it's good if they know the Bible, but they have to know the why behind it. Right. And so they have done this amazing series on the apologetic side of uh, knowing Scripture and recognizing exactly what these kids are going to be facing when they go to college. So, you know, like I took a hard look at I don't mean to be political because I don't have a lot of faith in politics, <laughs> but um, Bernie Sanders recently interviewed a Christian and took him to task. Did you see that? Yes, one? I did. Yeah. Okay. It made it a lot took, of headlines. It did. And uh, he took him to task for believing that people who don't trust in Christ will not have eternal life. And uh, of course, this man was taken back. I don't know what happened to separation of church and state at that moment. <laughs> Apparently, the door swings only one way on that. But... I say thank you to Bernie Sanders because he came out of the closet, and that's what a lot of people are thinking. Mm -hmm. And I want us to be able to prepare our children 
to be the leaders of the church who know how to answer and still find favor with these kinds of politically correct questioning. So they can say things like, you know, well, in Scripture, it says that God is not willing that any should perish. And we're not willing that you perish either, Bernie. That's why we're obnoxious and in your face (laughs) about things. So to be able to uh, take a stand that it connects but doesn't condemn. And uh, I, I believe that by 2050, this is really the world that our children will be trying to navigate through. For you to minister to these children, you have to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've done a lot of research, read a lot of research. What tell tell us what that is like for children growing up today? Well, let's just uh, let's just have a real talk about the American child. Um, you know, let's focus in. We we know a lot about what's happening with children in poverty and that type of thing. I want to talk about the child next door or the child who's coming to our churches. So um, you know, because we have the highest divorce rate in the world and the highest incarceration rate in the world, and you throw in a few other statistics like that, how that translates into children's life today is that 40% of American children do not know their fathers. So these children are coming uh, to a church. It may be the only truly safe place that they have. And I, I just heard this story the other day. One of our guys was at a church in the WANA program, and this boy came and said, are you my dad for the night? Oh. They're actually letting these children call them dad and mom for the night because they they don't really? have this in just their lives. Just to give them the concept. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I know there's a movement towards kid ministry being family ministry and that kind of thing. That's exclusive. It's idealistic. And Awana's going the other way. We're going missional. And we're saying to the church, you know, wake up. You've got kids who need the church more than any any other time. You know, our leadership group, when we talk about our childhoods, most of them around the table have these terrible childhoods. It's incredible. But there is always the addendum at the end. And they say, but for the church. And... Uh, I think we need to wake up here in the United States and become missional, become evangelical in the true sense of carrying the gospel, not a political flag. And, you know, that's what I'm, I'm, yes, I'm in their faces. Yeah. And you're seeing the church wake up. Are you not? Are you, I see are, churches, are we on the beginning uh, I, of that wave? I see churches that are amazingly coming along. Uh, they are so when you ask me what is a wana, I can't say they're a club anymore because what they've done is they've taken the club and then they say let's do a wana in the streets. They go out to the trailer parks and the apartments. They take food. They say you know our kids can raise money on these versathons. This is how we're funding our international ministry. The kids you know get grandma and grandpa to sponsor them for the and grandma and grandpa have no idea how many verses these kids can say. <laughs> and so there's this little church. Um, Salem Baptist Church in uh, Georgia, and they thought maybe they could raise a couple thousand dollars. Well, they ended up raising through Versathon $7,000, which they fed into Honduras. We were able to train uh, 25 churches down there, which will reach uh, 700 children in Honduras. That little church in Georgia owns Honduras, and their kids now have a global picture of God's church. They're not going to grow up thinking that uh, church programming is all about them. 
that excites me. And so I see a church that is taking a missional journey, and uh, they have uh, the potential to become multipliers of that idea all over the United States. Valerie, some of the people who are very important in my life, who are now with the Lord, were Awana volunteers. Uh, Talk about the volunteers. Well, we think we have about 145,000 of them. <laughs> you don't make them sign on the dotted line, do you? <laughs> we don't know. But uh, often, this is what I hear, is that I've been an Awana volunteer for 20 years, 30 years. Some of the churches have had them for 50 years. In fact, I'll tell you this story, Wayne. We just had a couple who came in from Iowa, and they wanted to give me a gift. And I'm thinking a check, probably, you know, 5000 yeah. a couple thousand or something. Um, this touches me. They had been Awana commanders for 25 years, but they were childless. Oh. And they'd given their lives away to other people's kids. So they come in right where we're sitting, and they give me this check, and you know, it's $100,000. Oh, my goodness. And they said, you are going to be our inheritors, but we wanted to see what you might do with it, a little bit of it during our lifetimes. So we set up a matching gift, and that 100000 turned into 200000 You know, we can reach a kid any place in the world for 10 bucks. Not a month, but one time. <laughs> well, you know what? That's going to be reaching. What's 200000 That's 20,000 kids, isn't yeah. it? My math's not so good. but <laughs> I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I that's one example. I hear like what you just said to me. I went to Awana, and I don't remember too much about it, but there was this man. Yeah. And that is the emphasis now when, when you say what's different. It's, it, the biblical part is intact. But now we're saying the presence of a caring adult. And even the UN says with children in the most dire poverty, those kids who are apt to die, uh, five times more apt to die, before, in their childhoods, uh, those kids who get exploited, who don't go to school, who don't get medical attention, they have a chance to survive those awful childhoods if there is, guess what, the presence of a caring adult. And so I see God's long-range plan for this ministry because what do we have? In, we have 145,000 caring adults all over the world who are like this couple from Iowa who truly love children, who truly care about them, and who are going to make sure that that kid knows that Jesus loves them and how to how to uh, uh, come to God uh, through salvation. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. Valerie, it sounds to me like you have found that intersection, that Frederick Beekner intersection <laughs> you talked about earlier. I think so. I, I think it's uh, kind of an amazing thing. And I want to say to people who have gone in and applied for their Social Security, don't stop looking for that place where you're, you know, you connect <laughs> with God on that because there's a lot of wonderful living there still. Great advice from our guest, Valerie Bell, the CEO of Awana the children's ministry reaching millions with a renewed sense of energy and passion for this and future generations. For more about Awana and its outreach, visit firstpersoninterview.com. These conversations take place weekly and are broadcast by many radio stations around the country. But anytime you cannot listen on radio, you can always listen on the web or even subscribe for automatic downloads of the podcast through iTunes. Another convenient way to listen and download interviews is by using our smartphone app, First Person Interview, available in all app stores. 
And don't forget to sign up for our free 30-day online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company, which I believe you'll enjoy receiving via email. Sign up at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.